You're listening to the ANA Podcast Network, powered by Odyssey, a leading multi-platform audio content and entertainment company. Listen on the Odyssey app. Hello and welcome to the Marketing Futures Podcast. I'm your host, Mike Burbridge. We're bringing you another episode of the Masters of Brand Masters series, recorded on-site at the 2023 ANA Brand Masters Conference in Bonita Springs, Florida. Today, we're talking to a brand agency partnership that took a bold stand against gun violence in America, particularly against children. Ramon Soto, CMO of Northwell Health, and Scott Goodson, Chief Executive Officer and Founder of Strawberry Frog, shared the story of their Raise Health movement, which focused on one thing, normalizing asking friends and family if their gun is secured before letting your child visit that individual. Please enjoy part one of this two-part series. Ladies and gentlemen, we are back like we never left. It is sunny Florida. We are at the ANA Brand Masters Conference, and I have the pleasure of introducing to you my listenership, Ramon Soto, Chief Marketing and Communications Officer at Northwell Health, and Scott Goodson, Chief Executive Officer and Founder of Strawberry Frog. Gentlemen, thank you so, so much for being with us this morning. Absolute pleasure. Pleasure. I'm actually feeling crispier than I was a minute ago. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, thanks for having us it's here. It's all that sun from all that uh, sun. From sunny yes, Florida. Sunny. To give a little context, uh, your brilliant podcast host forgot to push record uh, and thankfully re- realized that uh, less than, I'd say, five or so minutes into the episode. So, first of all, just so thank it's going to be a better great. episode now. Absolutely. Because right? we've Practice got a run for it. Yes, yeah, yeah, we okay. got all the curses out the first right. one. Now, this is going to be a little more family friendly. No, um, just. Thank you so much for being with us today. And before we jump into the Raise Health movement, because I really just, this is an intersection of a lot of things in the marketing universe that I really am passionate about. Let's set a level with our listenership and uh, tell us a little bit about yourselves and how your journeys led you to Northwell Health and Strawberry Frog, respectively. Yeah, so I'll start if that's all right. So I'm a marketer's marketer. I've been in the industry for about 30 years. I started on the agency side as a young cub working for McCann Erickson and then Young and Rubicam, uh, worked in some great brands and some great accounts, had the opportunity to move over to General Electric when it was a great company to work for, kind of the Jack Welch era. Uh, Super heady times, really enjoyed my time there. And then I moved over to Aetna and I ran global marketing for them. I spent about 12 years there and while I was there, uh, I had a health event and it was um, shocking to me how in this day and age, when something happens to someone, particularly in healthcare, the burden of navigating healthcare is placed on that individual. And I thought we could do so much better, particularly from a marketing standpoint. So I have this passion to really understand the journey, redefine it, engage with consumers differently, talk in super relevant terms. Uh, that's one of the things that led me to Northwell Health. And Northwell is a large system. It's a regional brand. Uh, we treat about 6 million New Yorkers each year. We have about 85,000 employees. And we're led by this hard-charging CEO that wants to smash the status quo, have a man crush on him. The guy is a great guy, Michael Dowling. And he challenged us to rethink the model. And that led to a relationship with Scott and Strawberry Frog and unlocking the power of purpose. I've been working for also about 30 years. And I say I have an affinity for really just 
intellectual and sharp marketers who approach marketing almost like a chess match, who are curious, open-minded, and I think this is relationship that I have with Ramon is, is very much like that. Um, it stretches me, makes me think differently about problem solving. Uh, I started my career in, originally I'm from Canada, but I started my career in Sweden uh, back in the 80s. And what I learned in Sweden was a lot of things. Uh, first of all, that you can drive positive change as a brand and build your brand, increase the willingness for people to buy from you. That that is actually a strength. If it's done in a strategic manner, as opposed to something ad hoc, like when Planters Peanuts comes out and says, women should be paid the same as men. You know, it's a very important message, but why should a nut snack say that? And are they doing it internally at their company? So, but if you do it thoughtfully, and if you do it with great follow through, then you can make a great impact, and you can grow your business and inspire both the consumer and your employee. So after many years in Sweden, I ended up starting Strawberry Frog in Amsterdam and then opened offices around the world and then moved to New York. That's fantastic. You know, great marketing has to start from authenticity within the people who are making it. And I can just kind of tell right off the bat that there's a lot beyond a great quarter or a sterling oh, PL behind this. So, and the campaign we're talking about today is absolutely the crystallized epitome of that. So let's jump in, shall we? Let's do it. All right. Let's start from the very beginning. I would love for you two to talk us through the inception and the development of the Raise Health movement and then why that aperture is kind of focused in on gun violence currently. Sure. A couple of things intersect that really uh, manifested in a need for Northwell to take a different path. We compete in a hyper-competitive market. We're in New York, where New Yorkers have great choices for healthcare, legitimately. And I tip the hat to my competitors. Some of them have their charter signed by King George in 1751. We're a 30-year-old brand, a roll-up of healthcare organizations over that time frame. We happen to be the largest, but how do you compete in that environment? How do you differentiate yourself? So we, we took a hard look and saw that most of our competitors were fighting for the transaction. And um, back to that impetus to redefine the journey, how do we take a longer view and talk to individuals about their journey and the passion points that they have around health? And that's what led to the Raise Health movement. It, it starts with our value proposition, which is all about better health for all. It's this belief in democratizing access to great care. It's this attempt to tease out these hidden injustices in society and health and deal with them. Um, of course, we still fight for the transaction, but it's a much broader playing field, green field, to experiment and to talk and engage with consumers. And one of these hidden injustices was something that happened in 2019 that was profound. It's in 2019, the CDC published a study in the New England Journal of Medicine that guns were now the leading cause of death for children in the United States. Really quite disgusting statistic. Uh, most Western industrialized nations, it would be automobile accidents, but we perversely have this absurd place that we're in, and we needed to, to move the needle. It's a, it's a kind of a perilous path. We'll talk more about that, but at a slippery slope. So how do you do this thoughtfully and 
This is where we collaborated uh, really strongly to unlock the power of movement thinking and galvanize New Yorkers to take a different path. So the idea, like movements that Ramon's talking about, are something that we've been doing for a long time. And the reason is that, you know, if you think about the complexity of all the messaging that we get every day, and not just marketing messaging, but, you know, Instagram posts and LinkedIn posts and all that other, you know, distraction, it's really difficult for a brand or an organization to plot a path, a clear strategic path that everybody inside the organization understands and everyone that you're trying to reach is motivated by. So what if you could, let's say, borrow the principles of social movements as a framework within which people can you know, be engaged and motivated to participate, feel a sense of agency, feel a sense of joy, feel a sense of belonging. If you can do that, it's a really different way of marketing at people. So that, that framework is something that we work together with Ramon on to create the Raise Health Movement. And what it does is it takes all these independent strategies like CSR and brand marketing and product marketing and, and you know, all the marketings. And it kind of ties them up to a bigger idea that is relevant to a broad group of people, right? Because a movement is based on something that is relevant to a huge swath of consumers and, and employees. It's not like a traditional creative idea where you're taking a creative idea that's really small and you're pushing it out in the media to target. Yeah, what a movement is, it's constant momentum. It's almost like a tornado that's constantly spinning. You know, and there's different ways that that tornado can be energized. It can be energized with a LinkedIn post by the CEO of a company. It could be some other form of content. It could be an event. It could be a hundred different ways. But ultimately, like in the case of Race Health, when you crystallize an idea on the rise in culture and you give people the opportunity to participate and do something, we are doing something to raise the health of my family, myself, New Yorkers, of us who work in the organization. It's just a much more motivating approach. And then when you can tie it to, I would describe it as like not words, but an action, like in the case of, of gun violence prevention, then you have a real breakthrough opportunity. Because it's not just words. We're going to the market. We're saying, here's what we want you to do. Here's what you want to do, because you believe in this, right? Whether you're a Republican or you're a Democrat, no one wants to have their child at someone else's home when their guns are unlocked, right? So there's an action that can happen that can motivate people to break that taboo of being afraid to ask your friend, by the way, hey, are your guns locked up? I'm, Tommy's coming over. Just want to know. I mean, people are f ashamed of asking, but we, we need to get people to stop doing this. So it's an action. And if we can create a groundswell, this movement idea that it's, you're part of something bigger by doing that, then you have success. And that's what we set out to do. The Certified ANA Marketing Professional, or CAMP, program is a rigorous 35-hour online certification program developed specifically with the ANA marketer in mind. Covering the entire marketing process from brand strategy and activation to marketing implementation across digital and analytic platforms, CAMP represents the full spectrum of the marketing universe. To begin your certification, go to ana.net slash camp future.
just a few things I just want to touch on there that really sure. resonated with me. I think this opportunity from Northwell as a brand, I think nowadays it's so important because trust in institutions is maybe not an all-time low because I'm not. A I, I do think it's historian. a historic low. Yeah, yeah, I would I would agree, and I think brands have a, a an opportunity that. They may not have had 10 years ago to really step in and go beyond business and actually mm. be societally motivated. I think so it's I because a lot of companies, you know, toothless purpose is giving it all a bad name, isn't it? Yes. Yeah. Yes. And so when you can actually break through that, and that's an amazing segue into the next thing I wanted to say. When you have a North Star that is rooted in something that you believe in, that is so universally believed in. Like you said, all of the other marketing, that answers a lot of little questions immediately. When you can, well, does this drive toward our North Star? No, then it's not what we're going to do. And then finally, distilling this big movement into one action, I think is one of the pieces that may be overlooked, but I think that's so critically important that start at one action. Uh, don't try and like cover a lot of bases. Don't go general because when you can begin an action, you can drive momentum, like you said. So Absolutely, just well said all over. The and place. if you can do it in a in a way that, like I said, is driving some form of action among your base, that they can feel like they're participating to do to achieve something. But do it in a way that you feel like you're creating this, like you're part of a cultural movement. You know, the, the, I look back in history and I look at what are the best examples of a cultural movement in marketing. Mm. And the, the first one that I could ever think of was the VW. When VW came to the United States, right? And, you know, at the time, everyone was driving these big American cars and VW came in and, you know, they said lemon. And they created this sort of cultural sense that if you buy this kind of dorky looking car with an engine in the back, which wasn't particularly safe, you, you know, we're representing a total different gestalt, right? Yeah. And, and then from there, you know, you see other brands over the years that kind of did that. If you marry that sense of cultural, I don't know, like cultural mindset into a cultural action that is driving positive change, then you're building this community of passionate brand lovers and you're giving them an opportunity to do something in addition to buying the product. Because people don't just want to buy it. They want to be part of it, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, belonging is such belonging. a huge thing uh, now, yeah. I think, more than ever. You know, it's interesting. The uh, Reflecting on your question, COVID kind of accelerated some trends that were happening in the country. And arguably, the world is out of equilibrium. We're not there yet. But you have these long-term trends of distrust. Uh, and then you saw an attack on science. You saw an attack on institutions. So institutions have to be very thoughtful about how they do this, and very, very purposeful. The amount of work that went into activating the idea uh, was tremendous. The amount of research and insights to understand the intersection of culture and health and where consumers were, and how to introduce that to the marketplace, how to uh, reflect the power of the original idea was profound, particularly with gun violence. Mm -hmm. So it's a polarizing issue. There are 400 million guns in the United States. There are 320 million people. They're not going anywhere. It's codified in the Constitution. Mm -hmm. You could 
very easily have a Bud Light moment if you stepped on the wrong hand grenade there. Mm -hmm. And we started with the fact base. We started with understanding where is culture, where are consumers, where are their attitudes. And then using some ingredients that were really powerful, you know, the natural protective power of parents and their children, really trying to understand does healthcare have brand permission to talk about this topic? And if we do, how? We came up with half a dozen concepts to understand the way in because what consumers saw, they were going to take away their own interpretation of the language. So it's, it was perilous but super thoughtful so that we didn't make any of these incidental mistakes on activating purpose. It is, uh, it is purposefully running after and creating moving that, that's generating the power. Very, very well said. I mean, can I just build on that? So, I mean, Ramon's strategy, which I think is really what has, you know, empowered us with this particular piece of work, was to be both engaged on social issues that affect your health, right? So, for example, Ramon has done a number of initiatives around women's health, for example. The fact that, you know, a lot of medical technology was designed around men's bodies. So they have an institute in New York that is women certified. And when you go in there, you know, it's really tailored for women for the first time. Rights for kids when you go into the hospital. What, you know, there are a number of social issues that are important. So food deserts, you know. Um, behavioral health. Behavioral health. Uh, and so we've had a number of important issues that we've worked with over the last few years. Gun violence is just one of many. It's the latest chapter, and, and, and there have been more chapters to this book. And we've been, you know, in, in the case of gun violence, when Ramon came and said, hey, we, we want to do something on gun violence, we were like, oh my God, that's a, that's a hot topic. Um, and then we looked at a lot of, you know, a lot of the gun violence work that had been done in the past, a lot of it which was very good, but very much in that genre of kids being shot and, and a lot of visualizing how horrible that is, which it is horrible. So that was one thing. It was There was a whole sort of dearth of work that had been done in the past. The other was that when you mention gun violence today, most people think of you know, a school shooting, yeah. which yeah. because it you know, dominates the headlines. When, in fact, as Ramon said, it's actually not. It's you know, six-year-old Charlie who finds an unlocked gun in his dad's side table and accidentally shoots his best friend, Billy. So how do you, how do you engage the culture on an issue that they think is about a school shooter, about a hot topic. So it was a really complex issue. And we spent a lot of time, that's why I say it's like chess, you know, you have to try different angles and be open to way of thinking. And, you know, one of the things that we landed on was this idea of using levity in our, in our work for a topic which obviously doesn't have much levity and probably shouldn't have it in many respects. But what we realized was that levity made it much more accessible and, in fact, makes it, as a result, much more powerful. Yeah, and I think that it just taps into something. I, I, you mentioned before that there have been, obviously, campaigns around gun violence before, but a lot of it was trying to motivate you with information or dry, elicit an emotional response Outrage you with the carnage of exactly. Yes, it's very graphic, and, but and in this case, getting people to do something. Well, that's what I was that's going to point, say. Yeah. Is the it, you change 
behavior by making a plan and by prescribing an action. Yeah. All the motivation in the world without a plan or a what next exactly. doesn't drive much at all. And that's not just like me talking. That is a plethora of clinical studies yeah. of where you can tell somebody anything you want about working out being good for you. Yeah. And you can tell them to make a plan to do it once this week. And the people you tell to make a plan to do it once this week will have exponentially more success than the people you educate to the wazoo at why they should do it. And it's true. And, and I think that's an important part of it. The other, the other thing is you have to be fully committed. And inherent in the race health movement, the attitude of that, right, raise hell, which is really in a way crystallizing Michael Dowling, who's the CEO of the company, who believes in really driving bold change in this space, and Ramon and his team, is, is not a Bud Light moment. And the reason it's not a Bud Light moment is because it's very thought through, but there's also a lot of confidence in the organization that this is an epidemic, this needs to be dealt with, the emergency wards are overflowing with young children. And so I think commitment is critical when you're doing this sort of thing. You can't just do it superficial and you can't not think through every single step of the program. hundred percent. You know, it's interesting. The, uh, if you think about healthcare, you kind of take a step back and you think, why has healthcare not occupied this lane before? Um, this is a cause for a presentation of an individual to our facilities. And as Scott mentioned, we saw a 400% increase of kids presenting with gun injuries to our children's hospital this year. It's still going on. It's oh kind of crazy. God. It's, it's crazy. Over the past five years. No, no, that's in one year, 400% increase. It's kind of a crazy place to be. So we knew we had to bend the curve. Um, but to Scott's point about commitment, it's a scary topic and it is scary territory. You got to put your head down and you got to put your shoulder down and you got to push through. And you can't do it in half steps, half measures, or half bait. And particularly when you get to the execution piece, I cannot tell you the controversy this created internally about are we really going to do this? Let's just talk about hard care. Can't we just talk about hard care? <laughs> and I've had this debate a thousand times. But it is put the right money behind the message to make sure it gets to consumers, follow through on what we're doing, give it the best chance to succeed, as opposed to put it in market, stick your toe in the water, are we really going to do this? Now, it has to be a thoughtful execution, but you have to run at it and you got to run at it hard. And then others will follow. You know, what was fascinating about this was because we took this leadership role, we got 157 health systems all aligned, who said, hey, that's interesting creative, that's well thought through. Oh my goodness, look at the fact base. You've thought through all these issues. It became this opportunity to, via gratis, give them the creative, allow them to brand it themselves, and push it into their markets. So the only states that we're missing are Arizona and Maine. And uh, it is a national campaign that's in market right now. It's, it's, it's profound. So it's creating social good, it's also creating brand good, and I know that's your, your next question. I was so about to is, say, you guys yes. are handling this interview for me, it's, but it's, a perfect, <laughs> it's, it's exactly a perfect segue, that it was this galvanizing movement. The movement, successful, absolutely no doubt about it. I would love to hear how it's affected the business since it's sure. online. So um, closing out the movement data, we've had a control group 
those who were not exposed to the advertising, only about 15% of them would ask the question, is there an unlock on the house? Uh, those who were exposed to the advertising, about 35% of them said that they would ask the question, is there an unlock on the house? Parents skyrocketed. 74% of parents would ask the question, is there an unlock on the house? Super positive across every socioeconomic class and a sub-segment by politics, Democrats, Republicans, gun owners, police, gun violence survivors. Uh, so we, we knew we had momentum there. Um, but to your broader question about the, the brand love, and that was an important consideration. Remember the hyper-competitive market, how do I differentiate myself? Is it creating the right amount of brand love? So two different uh, answers there. One, when we did this campaign, we, didn't, we did it for brand love overall, but we didn't do it to drive consideration, because I'm not asking anybody to buy anything. Right. And we saw a 30% increase in consideration. It was completely unexpected. I mean, just as an anecdote, so we came in yesterday, we checked in here at the ANA Brand Masters in Florida, and you're calling at the registration desk. She, she saw Ramon and I do a uh, run-through on the main stage. We're, we're speaking in a couple of hours here today to present this whole program. And she said, you guys did that, you know, tiger gun violence work? My mother loves that. And she used to be at this other hospital. And she said, I'm going to go to Northwell. Yes, because absolutely. Because she doesn't, I mean, her child is, you know, an old, well, I don't know how old she is, but she's a 20-year-old 20, 20 woman. So she's not in the category that we're trying to target. But she was so moved by this that she felt she wants now to go. Even to she is predisposed. Her family is predisposed. You know, yeah. the, the generational aspect of this, the amount of brand good it's creating is pretty profound. In addition, we do a monthly brand tracker. There are key brand attributes that we measure and we track over time. There are about 10 of them. We saw historic jumps in all of those brand attributes. Super profound, very, very strong cull us apart via all of our competitors. Now, the questionnaire is, does that have the right tail? Is it sustained in terms of those brand jumps? But we're, from our baseline, we're in just a different world in terms of where the brand is. Very well, I think the, the other thing to add to that is, you know, healthcare at this point in time is so much a part of our culture. You know, I have it coming through COVID where, you know, now everyone understands how health plays a role, right? And in addition to that, if you, you live in Brooklyn, so you know what I'm talking about, you know, New York is probably the most competitive health market in the world. And the majority of those organizations talk about, that, you know, we have the best doctors, the number one, we're the number one hospital, et cetera. And here you have a message about gun violence, right, prevention, that is to this, your colleague's mother, is incredibly motivating. Why is it motivating? Because she's sitting there, like most of us, feeling helpless to this absolutely horrific reality that kids are, are dying because of gun violence. And here's a message where she sees a health system coming up with something that she can do, or, and her friends, to try to change that. So of course it makes sense, and of course she's motivated to not only love Northwell, but want to be part of it more. And you know the complexity of a health system, there's so many moving parts. So if you can take that one important message it represents and symbolizes the, the totality of what that organization represents. Absolutely. And I think, you know, time will tell what the long tail of it is, but 
I think it has a better chance of sustaining itself than not because it wasn't because of a lever you were pulling. This change happened organically through something else you were trying to do. And honestly, I feel like if there was a consideration lever in this, you wouldn't see you wouldn't have seen that lift. Agreed. You know, um, so just fantastic. Thanks for listening to the Marketing Futures Podcast. We hope you enjoyed this episode and that you'll join us next week for part two of my conversation with Scott and Ramon, where we'll talk about cultivating and maintaining a great brand agency relationship and much more. The Marketing Futures Podcast airs Tuesdays at 3 p.m. Eastern. If you have a topic or guest you'd like to hear on the podcast, shoot us a note at marketingfutures at ana.net. We'd love to hear from you. And as always, find what you need to future-proof your brand at ana.net slash futures. This has been a presentation of the ANA Podcast Network, powered by Odyssey.